Welcome to the Smart Tech Check Podcast, hosted by Mark Vina, your home for candid, insightful, and provocative conversations about the smart home, home automation, security, smartphones, PC and console gaming, and much more. Hello, everyone. My name is Mark Vina, host of the Smart Tech Check Podcast. Today is Thursday, October 27th, 2022. Joining me for today's podcast are... Stuart Walpin, who describes for Popular Mechanics, AARP, Techlicious, Investopedia, and other fine publications. John Quain, who writes for the New York Times, the Smart hey. City, and uh, Rob, Pegar- uh, Rob Pegarero, I could pronounce his name properly, who writes frequently on tech policy for Wirecutter, PC Mag, and USA Today, is on assignment, but he'll be joining us next week. But I have my two fun, fun, most entertaining journalists of all time on this podcast. and. I'm glad you guys could make it. Stuart, how are you doing? I'd been better if one of the two New York teams had been in the World Series, but what are you going to do? I know. I feel the same way. We both, you know, have the same pain in our hearts. What can I say? Uh, John, how are you doing? Good. There's the Super Bowl to look forward to. You've got two New York teams to watch there. It's like <laughs> a remarkable season, so you never know. I'll make a prediction. If the Jets and Giants somehow make it, I think the chances of that are one in about 10 billion. But if they do make it to the Super Bowl, it will be the most covered Super Bowl of all time. But I would not be surprised. Don't count yeah, them out. Really? No, Unbelievable I, I, season. I won't count them out. But we don't have a whole lot of time here because uh, a few of us have uh, commitments here. But let me bring up our first topic uh, for today's podcast. And that is, uh, Stuart, this is close to your heart. OTC hearing aids, you know, now. It's legal to buy a hearing aid or like what I like to call smart hearing aids, although they're not all smart, but some of the more compelling ones, like the one from Ergo, is a good example of a smart hearing aid. They can be uh, purchased over the counter, which I think is great uh, from a uh, consumer standpoint. But let me flip this over to you, uh, Stuart, and get your thoughts on this. Well, technically, the Ergos are not an over-the-counter hearing aid. Ergos are sold through audiologists. The price... Uh, includes several visits with an audiologist, which makes it a not an over-the-counter product. An over-the-counter product does not need to have an audiologist intervening. Um, they can be, they're designed for those with moderate or mild hearing loss, which is about 40 million Americans. And unlike the Eargos, which usually sell for $2,500 plus, the over-the-counter uh, versions will sell for probably $1,000 or less to start. And then you'll probably start to see the price go down as more and more vendors get into the industry. What you're seeing now is there are two types of products that are going to be coming out in terms of smarts. There's going to be something called an exempt product, which is essentially um, not a smart hearing aid, essentially. It's for mild hearing loss. (laughs) And then there's um, a second uh, category which is will include all sorts of software, a hearing app that will able to adjust frequencies uh, specifically for individual users. You already see some of those kinds of things in some models from, for instance, the new Hira IQ Buds 2 Max has that sort of a hearing test before it tunes the phones themselves. What you're seeing is that you're seeing these standard Bluetooth earbud makers, the Bose, Sony's, Jabra's of the world, New Hearers, they're pairing with hearing aid companies. In fact, Jabra is owned by GN, 
uh, which is a hearing aid company, to bring those two areas of, of expertise together. And those are the first products that you're now seeing on the market. For instance, uh, Bose is partnering with Lexi. Um, Sony's partnering with a company called WSA, and I forget what WSA stands for. Uh, Nuhira is partnering with HP, of all people. They haven't come out with a product yet. So that's what you're going to start to see on the market. The second thing to know is, is that the best thing about these are something that we hear in the first iterations, and that is Bluetooth AuraCast. Yes. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, where AuraCast is essentially a broadcast technology. So when you're in a public space, if you're in a concert venue, um, if you're in an airport, if you're in the subway, if you're a place with a public PA system or a public sound system, you will be able to tune in directly to whatever that PA is transmitting right to your hearing aids, as opposed to wearing hearing aids and still trying to hear it yes. over ambient noise in the place. Yes. Um, yes. Bluetooth is going to start sending out the AuraCast specifications to um, to venues and places like that, I think next week, if I'm not mistaken. So the first over-the-counter hearing aids that you're going to see might include Bluetooth 5.2, which includes the new LE audio uh, specification, but it will, they will not likely include AuraCast. We'll probably start to see the first buds with AuraCast, probably at CES. And then you'll probably start to see a larger wave of them. You'll probably start to see a lot more manufacturers and you'll probably start seeing the price begin to drop as more and more people get into this market. Well, I'm very oh. bullish on this new Bluetooth yeah. uh, AuraCast capability. I, I was on a call with them yesterday, the Bluetooth SIG group yesterday and i think it could be particularly very disruptive you know because it's it, it, because it's not an ambient noise um uh, uh approach i mean correct you know i i i would love can you imagine in football stadiums and in, in movies and there's all kinds of wonderful applications right. that yep. they really could have it's john, gonna be incredibly disruptive yeah john your thought, your thoughts on this well, you can already buy them, right? And you have been able to for years. We've been writing these stories for years because the biggest number of companies were pushing this to get rid of this kind of necessary prescription. Zvox as a company, for example, has had them on the market. You could buy them online. Nobody really stopped you from buying them. They're not the most elegant products. You know, they're not like those super tiny little mosquito sized ones that you put in your ears. These ones that you're going to see are much larger. They're a little bit more conspicuous. And some people don't like wearing them because it looks, it makes you look old. You're wearing a hearing aid that people can see. So, but I think in terms of people who really need it, this is going to be great because they're going to have all this flexibility. And, and one company that Stuart didn't mention, Sennheiser, renowned renowned headphone and microphone company uh, you know obviously one of the best in the world got purchased by almost well, how long ago not a year ago but eight months ago by a hearing aid company i mean that's who bought them so that's what's that you're going to see much more of that in the consumer space i think best buy might already have something available if you check the store it's the great. yeah two, so two it, new sony models it, it happens so fast. People are just waiting for this. So I think it's a great thing. No, I, I think we're, we're entering a golden age of these type of devices. And um, I think it's great. You know, I, I think it's really going to be, and, you know, and sound is such a thing, you know, an audio and sound is you know, taken for granted. We typically focus on the entertainment portion, but to allow people to enjoy their lives. And there's, I mean, the, the numbers are staggering 
about the people who have hearing problems. And it's one of those, uh, it's one of those dilemmas where most people with a significant hearing loss situation don't want to admit it because admitting to it, you, you get this kind of, you, you fall into that, 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 that uh, prejudice that they're, oh, you're old and you know, you're, you're not vital. I think our president, president probably invokes that feeling right now. Uh, that's I'm going to get get into that right now. Well, but the bottom line, I think there's there, there's 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 a couple of things here. The what the first thing is, and I, I want to be careful. I don't, I'm not sure about the Z-Box product, but these over-the-counter hearing aids are not what they call personal sound amplification products, PSAPs, which do sort of a blanket sound amplification across the frequency spectrum. Oh no, yeah, you don't want that, right? Right. Yes. So what, what these new devices are going to be very specific to the frequencies that right. that people suffer from uh, the loss of hearing from. The second right. thing is what you're going to I think it's going to one of the reasons this is disruptive is you're right. It used to be that people would try most hearing aids are invisible. They have either that that battery pack behind the ear or they get completely hidden in the ear canal. But with so many people now wearing Bluetooth earbuds, it's not a stigma anymore. That's correct. So you could be wearing in, in a year from now, you'll see millions of people wearing this and they will be listening to music. They'll be listening to conversation and you won't know which one. And I think that's one of the best things about this sort of this, this, this crossroads of technology between the hearing aid and the mainstream Bluetooth earbud industry, that that stigma will now disappear because everybody wears in earbuds. It's a new stigma. You're a nerd if you're wearing them now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, now, now that stigma will be transferred to AI. Just a little deaf, my son. Just a little deaf. <laughs> let's, let's, let's hit our next topic here. And that is, uh, John, this is oh. in your wheelhouse, your favorite CEO, Starlink. Um, there's, there's so many directions we could go with this, but uh, let, oh uh, bring God. us up to speed on this topic from your perspective. Uh, oh, oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, it's been an interesting week for, for our favorite CEO. Um, you know, uh, Tesla's being under criminal investigation because obviously they have their vehicles as being self-driving. They're not self-driving. People have died. So now it's revealed that they are under criminal investigation. Not a, not a huge surprise to the people in the auto industry uh, who are concerned that Tesla may single-handedly torpedo the autonomous vehicle market. Um, but then, of course, there's the Starlink uh, idea. Well, you know, um, he, Starlink is being used in the Ukraine and elsewhere in the world in places where it's been difficult to get a clean, uh, how should we say, a free connection to the Internet, open connection to the Internet, where governments control access. So Starlink, because it goes straight up to these low uh, Earth orbit uh, satellite systems that the company has put up there, goes direct and can't be prevented. If you can get the small dish and the router and all that equipment to one of those locations. So the Ukrainians have been using it very effectively during the war uh, against the Russian invasion. And uh, at one point he wanted to said, gee, this is getting kind of expensive said Elon, wanted to get the government to pay for it, then decided, no, that wasn't 
okay, never mind when people got upset. Um, so it also prompted us to revisit Starlink and its performance because I was one of the first beta testers of the product, wrote about it, let's go back you know, a year plus later and see how it's doing because there are a lot more satellites up there now. It should be better. It's not. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I really, you know, this is one of those disappointments where we, we test a lot of products and we really, we want them to be good. I mean, I want the TV to be better. I want a sharper picture. I want better sound. I wanted a faster internet connection. It's not happening with Starlink. And I, I looked at some other test results around the world too in different locations where it's now being offered. And that may be part of the reason why that they've spread out those low earth orbit satellites so that they're not clustered in a single area to give you more reliable service, but now he's spreading it out to reach more places around the world. So it's probably a trade-off. But I found that, you know, the numbers, just so that people have a sense of the numbers, originally we were talking about 300 megabits per second as being what Elon thought that company would achieve within a few months of launching Starlink. Um, I was getting, you know, up in 150 megabits per second before, and that was a year ago. Now it's back to 85 megabits per second. Uh, same place, same area, you know, and I moved it around the, the sometimes of the day because it's trying to reorient itself all the time. It would say, well, now it's partly obstructed in the middle of the night. I'm like, okay, it's in the same spot. You run out, drag it somewhere else, even further out in the open. I've still had some of the same issues. And I'm not the only one. So it, it, it's it's not meeting that promise. On the other hand, if you're in a rural area, if you're in one of these countries or in one of these places, it is, you know, uh, the only way to really get a broadband connection. Right. So, no, so. I, so but I, I will tell Elon Musk to expect a Christmas card from you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Send it by a Starling. Yeah. And there's so much to go into about regarding oh. Elon Musk. I saw the clip yesterday where he apparently he brought a sync into Twitter's headquarters. Yeah, I saw um, that. That was kind of curious. What are your thoughts on? Uh, go ahead. I, let me get. I want to get Stuart into pull. But well, one more thing: Starlink went up in price. It went up in price, so it's now one hundred and ten dollars a month. So it's a super expensive system as well. Because if you're in a rural area, you don't have a lot of money. There are not a lot of jobs there. So this is a really wicked expensive system for those people. Anyway, just say, yeah. go go for it, Stuart. <laughs> well, the only thing I was going to say that if they're, I mean, obviously, like any technology, version 1.0 is always going to be less than what you want it to be. And these things take time to develop and for the technologies to get better, to become more efficient. I'm, I'm not sure what Starlink is or is not doing to improve the speed or the latency or any issue. But of course, given what it's being used for now. It's better than what we call a sharp stick in the eye. I mean, it's literally better than nothing for a lot of people. And the whole idea of satellite-based internet service is such a, like, over-the-counter over the hearing, it's such a disruptive idea to eliminate the abilities of government to cut off the free access of information. So if Starlink can somehow get successful, if isn't Amazon planning its own satellite, its own, its own system? This is just going to continue. Whether or not Tesla succeeds at this, whether Starlink, this is an idea whose time is obviously here, and I think that it will simply 
um, emboldened the Amazons and other companies of the world to start making these investments, especially as countries around the world continue to shut down um, land-based, you know, earth-based systems. I mean, the, the whole issue with with companies like Google or Apple or operating in China, that all goes away. And so I think it right. behooves a lot of these very, very rich companies to follow Starlink, to improve upon Starlink, to create competition, but create a world in which governments cannot cut off the flow of information. Yeah, wow. it, 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 you have to be a little careful because these can, the systems can't be traced. And like getting them into places like Iran, I'm not sure, like the, the government has approached Elon Musk about maybe getting communications in there. I'm not sure if he's the right guy to do that, but um, you know, all this is is predicated on networks. And you, people can look, 20 some odd years ago, I wrote a New York Times story about satellite internet access in rural areas, testing it in rural areas. So it's been around for a long time. You know, obviously it's not, not a biz, the business model is questionable. If it's costing that, that much every month, maybe it's something that nobody's ever going to make work for a regular subscriber. But but we'll see. And and then we got to mention tomorrow's the big day. Whether it actually happens or not, are we going to say yes? The deal goes through forty four billion dollars or not? Or what? What do we think? Uh, well, the way I'm going to end this because we got we got to hit the last uh, couple of topics is that. The <laughs> There is terror going on in Silicon Valley right now because he's talking about some big, big layoffs, you know, and th these are not low paying jobs, by the way, you know, and getting laid off um, during this uh, part of the uh, part of time of the year with the economy being where it is, because a lot of companies are starting to kind of cut back on jobs. Not a lot of happy twi uh, Twitter employees in a, in, a, in a few days. That would be my guess. Right. Let us let, let us hit the uh, the next topic here, and this this is an interesting one, um, John. I'm going to let you tee off on this one again. This whole notion that LinkedIn has been experimenting, I think, of Dr. Frankenstein with millions of users. So let me turn that back over to you. We'll we'll, we'll comment on it. Yeah, this story was kind of revised. It was a, a, a CBC report, the feature sort of investigation looking at this, and, and you know. It's interesting because these companies are constantly tweaking their systems, experimenting with the way they do things, um, how they interact with users. And all of that seems pretty valid, right? I mean, how can you get better if you're not tweaking it and don't, doing some sort of experimenting with what you do? Um, but the question is, how far is, is too far? Um, you know, the dating site that then put people on purpose on terrible dates. They mismatched people on purpose to see what would happen and whether that would actually result in some good dates. They, and that was an experiment one company did and didn't tell anybody. There was no informed consent about, oh, by the way, we may send you on a date with somebody completely your opposite. So, so, I, so I can blame it on the company, not on my bad dating habits. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's not my Bumble profile that's working against me. It's, it's actually the, the, the algorithms are working against me. Uh, you know, Facebook did the same thing. They tried to give people a bad day. Now, that would definitely violate it. any kind of ethical considerations that one had. They were trying to make people feel bad not a good thing. Um, the LinkedIn experiments are questionable. You know, um, what they were looking at is 
how many people, how close they have to be related to you or network to you to help you get a job, whether that influenced whether you got a job or not, or whether it was a larger number of more remote network connections. So they're in questionable territory, but I think people should know that when they're using these services, they're not as straightforward as they necessarily may have heard. Lacking in transparency. What a surprise. Right, right. Um, no, and, and, and I'll, before I pull Stuart into this, I mean, the thing that would concern me about this is that, you know, LinkedIn is one of the remaining social media websites. It's relatively, you know, you don't see a lot of, you don't see the kind of the, the, um, the, the bombast that you see on Twitter and the, the, the hatred because you, you sometimes see it on Facebook as well. LinkedIn has a relatively pristine reputation from an engagement standpoint. And you hope this experimentation that goes on it's not a hurting people's careers their livelihoods right. you know so that but you know i think the, 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 their obligation to be transparent should be paramount i mean what do you think Stuart? well i think the problem here is is that from what i understand that this little experiment which involved i believe 20 million users could have affected could have affected a large number of people getting or more importantly not getting jobs as a result of the manipulation and the experimentation and obviously nobody would have agreed to do this no user would have agreed to do this if they thought that was a possible outcome Right. And so it, it's obviously not a shock that LinkedIn decided to do this without telling anybody. But the, I think the problem is, and, and the problem with all these companies, they think that they're going to get away with this. And right. yet time after time, we find out that somebody blows the whistle. It somehow gets out. They published a paper on it. The government is going to take a look at it. The government is not very well disposed to big tech these days as it is. And this just adds to the government's suspicion as well as our own suspicion about what these big companies are up to. Now, of course, LinkedIn will say, well, you signed away your permissions, you know, and you clicked accept on all of those, you know, on, on, on the policy, the, the policies. But as John said, that just signing away your, your policy rights is not the same thing as informed consent, especially if there's a chance that you're not going to get of your, the love life that you want, if you're not going to get the job that you thought that you were going to get. So I think this spotlight not only tarnishes LinkedIn, not that any social media site is it should not should be above suspicion to begin with, given the numbers involved here, but it's just a stupidity on their part that they think they're going to get away with this and that this government isn't going to take some notice of this behavior. Well, well Bipartisan, I, by the way. Yeah, yeah well, we, we, we've got to hit the last topic, but I, I agree with both you guys violently on this. And unfortunately, I think, Stuart, you said it. If you were aware of this, that you were a guinea pig, you wouldn't, especially because LinkedIn is a is a, an employment right. business, right. Uh, social media, you'd never agree to that in a million years. They'd right. probably get a hundred right. people who, no, you would find probably a few thousand people that would agree to be uh, a guinea pig. But most people are very careful about their careers and on their profile and on, on you know, what they want to, and who, they connect, and who they connect with and who they don't connect with. So right. That, this, right. This, this, this is disturbing. Let's, let, let, but not so disturbing, though, is the last topic that I do want to hit. And that is, you know, Apple released macOS Ventura uh, <laughs> early this week. Um, and I just want to talk about the continuity camera feature because, I, you know, I've been using it for the last uh, uh, three or four days. Actually, I was using it when it was in beta. 
uh, format, so that's not totally accurate. But I'm using it right now. I'm using my iPhone 14 uh, Max Pro, and I'm, it's fun, the, it's the, the idea of using a $1,500 um, phone as a webcam might be disturbing to some people. But if you do a lot of podcast activity, which we all do, and you do a lot of video conferencing, it really is a terrific feature. I mean, there's no artifacts around my head. I'm using a virtual background. Um, and the zoom in capability is phenomenal. It's better. I really think, you know, again, I, I don't have the data to support this, but just my anecdotal usage, it's probably the best webcam using this as the best webcam. It's better than even the Logitech 4k Brio, which up until then, up until now was really the best out there. Are so, you using the, the are you using the selfie camera? Or are you using the rear camera? Rear camera. It only works with the rear camera. Now oh, okay. there's an app out there called camo that's been out for a while. It's a yeah. company that probably out of business because you could do this before with a third party app and Apple, of course, now that they have the operating system, who needs Camo? Camo actually has a lot more features. You can zoom in, you right. can zoom out, you can change the hue and you have more control over the image. But, you know, I, I think I look pretty good. Famous last words. I'm sure some you probably both wouldn't agree with that. But I don't know. Have you thought, are you got, now, of course, you got to be a Mac OS user. It's not going to work if you're... Um, well, you're my not, question is, why do you need your laptop at all then? Or a desktop computer, if you can just use your phone as, as your camera. Why don't well, you just use your phone to begin with? You could, but I'm using that right now. I'm using this. Well, in, in this particular case, I'm using a podcast platform, which does not work on a. Uh, it, it works for. Oh, it doesn't work with a phone. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It does. Okay. Uh, John is calling in right now on his phone. Uh, but right. if I want to do this and, and actually manage, manage the podcast behind the scenes, I couldn't use just the phone. That's 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 the problem. Anyway, it's a, any, have you guys upgraded to macOS inventory yet? Have you been that brave, or are you waiting? Until, I I will I will wait till version uh, version zero one. I never upgrade uh, to the original version of a new operating system. I always wait for at least the first update. Yeah. So there was a, you know I haven't either. But I'm more excited about the USB C announcement from there. Yeah, really. The iPhone 15 is probably going to be switching. Apple said yesterday, the day before yesterday, that they admitted that they're going to that they're going to adopt the EU regulations, and that the, all the rumors are now that the next iPhone Ultra or the next iPhone 15 will include USB-C. Yes. Power of the people, man. That's what I say. <laughs> nice. That'll have to. That'll have to note that we end on. Uh, John Stewart, thanks for taking the time to join me for today's podcast. For a viewing and listening audience, thanks for making the Smart Tech Check podcast part of your day or commute. Please make sure that you hit the like and subscribe buttons at the end of today's podcast. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Mark Being a Tech Guy. And until next time, have a great week. Thanks, guys.